I love writing. It's it's very freeing. I mean, my first couple of years here, I like would be riding to work and would like look down at my bike in awe and be like, "This is how I get to work. This is my life. I ride a bike to work. I'm like active. Like this is crazy. Like I'm just and I and I get to do this every day. Um, felt really great." Hey, what's up? This is Kat. Welcome to the Joyride. Hey, what's up, Joyrider? It is a pleasure to be back in your ear holes once again. I want to welcome you to episode number 16 of the Joyride podcast, where we celebrate women on bikes. And on this episode, I have a chat with Nicole Davenport about Women Bike PDX. Women Bike PDX is an inclusive and gender-affirming female-focused community, cycling community here in Portland, Oregon. Recently, The Atlantic um, made the case for all women cycling clubs to on their City Lab blog, and I'm going to go ahead and just read a paragraph from that. Um, Bike advocates cite lots of reasons why women don't bike. We have to deal with bikes that are designed for men, saddles that aren't very comfortable, then there's the practical stuff, figuring out how to haul groceries and children on bikes, and how to show up at jobs without looking sweaty and unprofessional. Another major issue is that male-dominated bike groups and shops might not be welcoming spaces for women. Then I'm going to go on and read this. This is a quote from, um, this is a quote that says, there's a sense that women want to participate in less threatening, more inviting groups, says Elizabeth uh, Adamchek. Totally guessing on that one. Elizabeth Adamchek, chair of Women Bike Chicago. Through cycling and bike commuting, excuse me, though cycling and bike commuting are largely male-dominated, communities of women bike riders have been popping up quietly all over the country, meeting the need for more inclusive spaces. Something else that is super cool is that this article actually features not just one, but two of our previous Joyride guests, Leah Benson of Gladys Bikes and Monica Garrison of Black Girls Do Bike. I personally am a firm believer in women's spaces and have witnessed the power of women who gather in groups. Portland itself is really awash with a lot of different women cycling groups, which is awesome. Um, That made, in some ways, I think, probably Nicole's job a little bit easier um, and in a lot of ways maybe made it harder because there are some other competing groups uh you know some cyclists female cyclists are getting their you know some needs met from other places um unfortunately that's not really the case in other places um around the country if you're looking for a women's cycling group and you don't really know where to start um a couple great tips i mean really the facebook groups is probably one of the best places that you can go um to just like google and the excuse me not google that's what a funny thing that we're just like just using that as a verb right um really just do like a keyword search in that search graph at the top of the facebook page and you're probably going to find something that will start pointing you in the right direction however if you want less of a of a google facebook search chase um definitely check out wheel women switchboard um i'm going to put a link to it in the notes um wheel women switchboard launched by Ellie Blue, founded by Ellie Blue, um, is a really great online forum for women all over the country who are looking to connect and build community. Um, in fact, a few of our of our interviews here have been with folks who we, um, with women who I connected with through Real Women Switchboard. Um, additionally, highly recommend Meetup. Meetup.com if you are not familiar with it, it's basically an, uh, an aggregate for a lot of different clubs, um, also called meetups, that are hosted throughout the country and around the world. And you can just do, again, a keyword search with that. You can join a group, really low commitment, um, see what kind of events they are hosting that you might be able to go and join. Um, there are, for sure, women's cycling groups near you. It's just a matter of finding them and connecting with them. Personally, I think that community is intensely important, and it's not just because you can get a hand up from someone who's 
one step ahead of you or is a little more familiar. Um, all of those things, of course, are really wonderful to help make riding a bike more accessible and, uh, you know, to help grow your knowledge. Um, one of the biggest reasons why I think community is important, though, we witnessed here, if you're involved, if you're in Portland or if you're kind of like tuned into that women's cycling community here at all, um, we have our own version, to borrow a phrase from the political arena, of locker room talk, right? Um, this means that we tell each other when things are weird or dangerous or when maybe you should just pay attention and keep an eye out. We've actually like talked about it on this show before with different guests. You kind of hear these, you know, the, the talk about safety and all of these things. Last month, a woman named Shelsa, who is part of the women bike community and the Portland women's cycling community here, um, had an incident on the Columbia Slough Trail. And I call it an incident because it seems like some details emerged. At first she thought that it was an accident, and now there are some details where it may have been something that was intentional, an intentional assault. And um, she shared this information with the group because you need to... I'm, and I'm going to read something from her. Um, but she shared this information with a group to to alert other women who could be potential victims of violence. Um, this is our version of locker room talk. This is one of the reasons why community is important. I'm going to go ahead and and read this. Um, She had a GoFundMe campaign. It has since been fully funded, which again speaks to the power of community. Um, I'm going to go ahead and and, um, read this out. She And she also included a photo, which I'm going to put in the show notes, um, and it's showing post-trauma surgery, showing all the damage that she had on, um, you know, to her face and to her mouth because of this. Um, So initially she posted it saying that it was an accident, but again, as different things have come to light. Here's the, here's a statement from Shelsa. Shelsa, by the way, was uh, scheduled to come on the bike overnight that Molly Futterman and I hosted back in springtime. Um, she was unable to make it though. So I'm familiar with her, but we actually have not, have not met in person. So this is her statement. She said, yesterday, and this is from obviously from when the incident happened. She said, yesterday, my helmet saved my life. I remember leaving my house on bike and then I woke up in the ER when surgeons were resetting the bone on the roof of my mouth. I was on a route that I ride all the time. Angel strangers found me and got a hold of 911 and Jeff, who I'm assuming is her her partner. No one knows exactly what happened. It's scary. Here's the thing, though. As scared as I am for the pain, the months of facial healing, and paying for the seven teeth I lost, I'm more scared for my family or for my friends, family, and coworkers that don't wear helmets. I know who you are, and I'm terrified. Please, please wear this hel- wear your helmet. And then she includes a um a disclaimer that says that the post was sponsored by nurses and the oxycodone that they have her on. Um, and, uh, and if you look at this picture, it's understandable why she was on some pain medication. Um, so here's the rest of her statement. Um, since then, I've been staying in the hospital. I've spoken with the police who are helping to figure out exactly what happened. They are investigating what we now assume was an assault. Near the scene, they found a lone driver's license, a bloodied rock that matches my facial trauma, and a witness who saw somebody fleeing as the strangers who saved me arrived. The whole thing is terrifying. My loving family, my sister-in-law, and my cousin set up this account to help with the months of reconstructive surgery. I have a head. If you can, please share. No matter what, says Shelsa, wear your helmet. So again, really, the, the power of community here, um, drastically important to be able to uh, have our own version of locker room talk with uh, warning each other for the, the kind of... Um, toxic aggression that's out there in the world. So I urge you to find your people. Um, it's a great way to build relationships and friendships. It's a great way to um, get to know your bike, get to know the area that you live in, learn from each other. We all have di- so many different styles and so many different things. Um, but great way, uh, building community is safer 
And not only that, but, you know, it really gives us an opportunity to lean on each other um, when we need to. That's one of the beautiful things about community and uh, especially about a community of neighbors who are actually in our neighborhoods, actually in the towns that we live in. So I'm wondering, do you belong to any women's cycling groups? Um, How do you feel about inclusive co-ed groups versus groups that are focused around um, the female and around female empowerment? Uh, What do you think? Send me an email. You can send an email to thejoyridepodcast at gmail.com or go ahead and comment in, you know, on whatever and let me know. Also, let me know what groups you belong to. I'm gonna head. I'm gonna go ahead and um, set up a resources page for the Joyride when we are building the new website. And I would love to include whatever groups you've got. That way, we can put together a good, comprehensive list of resources so that you can find your people, and your people also can find you no matter where you are. So this week on the Joyride, like I said, we've got a conversation with the role model program manager. Um, This is the former role model program manager, Nicole Davenport of the BTA, that's the Bicycle Transportation Alliance, the BTA's Women Bike Program. Nicole was really instrumental in bringing Women Bike to Portland, and in one year, she helped to develop it into a really like wonderful and thriving community. What you're going to hear is actually a recording of my orientation as a role model. I'm not going to explain that. Nicole's going to explain that in detail in a minute. Um, But this conversation was recorded back at the end of August when Nicole was still the program manager for Women Bike. She has since left that position, which you're going to hear discussed in this recording. Also, this was recorded at the bustling BTA office in downtown Portland. So please do enjoy the soundscape of lots of diligent workers um, and advocates trying to go about their business of making our streets even safer. So you can find the show notes at girleatsbike.com forward slash JR016. Now, without further ado, what do you say we just get into it? Let's meet Nicole Davenport. As far as what we're looking at for as a role model, um, we would, the idea is that you will do that one-on-one mentoring and this is one of the tools we've developed is the the workbook that um, Molly actually Molly Futterman actually helped us uh, compile all the information cool. from lots of different sources and and we have it in both English and Spanish and uh, so the pretty much identical There's ones translated so gotcha. When you go through, we have you know table of contents, the biggest barriers most women face mm-hmm. that are commonly reported, um, a biking goal, so it's you know more likely to reach your goal or commit to it when you write it down. Mm-hmm. So this is just like a good exercise of kind of gauging where the person's at with biking and what they're hoping to get out of it because you know we all ride bikes for different reasons. Um, you know, some tips about clothing that you can wear uh, for different weather. Um, you know, try to break the myth that you need all bike-specific clothing. Um, different gear that, you know, it's helpful. Helmet, fenders, lights, walking, um, where to store your bike. How to carry things by bike. Um, and the different, you know, considerations to take some stuff about laws and writing, so defensive writing skills, road positioning skills, um, just kind of the most common things to help get people comfortable with riding traffic or riding in more of an urban environment. Mm. Um, and then there's uh, family biking options, uh, which we tried to gauge by like, you know, kind of different price points as well as like giving of idea of like not just what a dollar symbol means but what that, <laughs> what that actually looks like in dollars right right um and then 
what bike is right for you, which you know, mostly it's the bike that you have access to, but you know, there's lots of different bikes out there, and so just think about what you want to use it for. I like the bike town is in there too. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> the bike share in there. Um, and then bike maintenance, and then additional resources, um, and a notes page, and then more, where, where to find out more about women bikes. So this is a, a something that you can go through in like a structured meeting. You can just give it to somebody mm -hmm. and let them read it. And um, But it's just a great resource. There's lots of free resources, and we have access to all of those from the city if you, if, if you somebody wants something in addition to what we have here. We didn't want to write a whole manual. We wanted to kind of just find what would be the most pertinent information that's the least overwhelming for somebody that's new to riding. Because there are so many variables. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, and you really, it'd be like this. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and that can be really overwhelming. So we just tried to, to get what, what we felt were the most important things for somebody interested in city riding for transportation or for fun what they would want to know so um yeah so then you can um i'll get be getting these printed and then i can give you however many you want if you want 10 to start we can give you that um and then we'll uh the idea would be that you would just you know either do individual meetups or if you had a group of women that were interested in um getting together, then you could go through this workbook with them, mm -hmm. invite them to the Women Bike page, uh, or the group, invite them to a Women Bike event, uh, and then really, but really more of it is, is going to be a lot of the one-on-one -on -one interactions mm -hmm. of what do they need and helping get that person on bikes, and then, um, you know, like giving, telling us success stories of what, you know, you can just kind of check in, well, We'll be checking in every so often and mm -hmm. say like, "Hey, how's it going?" And you can let us know if you, know, oh, I got this person out. Like, there was one. This, this, um, there's two gals that are friends that are both role models for us, and they're uh, they've been doing this for a couple years. So we're just kind of helping support them. Uh, but they uh, just designed a bike ride, a 70 mile bike ride around Portland because they had a woman in their walking group that. It's like, I want to ride 70 miles for my 70th birthday. So cool. And so they were like, great. And they did it just around Portland with like very little climbing and, um, you know, had multiple meal stops along the way. It took them, you know, 12, 13 hours or something like that. But wow. they were just like, you know, we just, with like the whole day because they were stopping a lot and they were just going at a comfortable pace. And right, right. So they're like, yeah, we started, I think they started out in Southwest somewhere or maybe Eastmoreland or something like that, and then ended in St. John's and did this huge loop around. Oh, that's really which cool. Which is pretty cool. Um, so I was like, oh, we'll have to get that I was just that thinking route. that. I was like, <laughs> it's like a 70-mile flat loop through Portland. It's kind it's of pretty, it's cool. pretty interesting. Yeah, I don't know if they went like all the way up to Boyne or where they went in yeah, right. eastern uh, East Portland. But, yeah. Um, so that's the... The main stuff, and then it'll just be, you know, there's not a specific requirement. We ideally want everybody to encourage five women. That would be great. Mm -hmm. If we get more than that, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, and then as we, um, you know, move forward with Women Bike and are trying to do different outreach events, it would be great to see our role models, um, you know, every few months maybe lead an event where we can just kind of expand the capacity of the of the program, mm -hmm. um, where myself or um, you know the coordinator doesn't have to be at everything because mm -hmm. it's a lot of events. Yeah. So it is. It is a lot. I see your calendar. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty aggressive. Yeah. On the <laughs> but I. But I think it's. Um, almost necessary just because of how segmented the city is in a lot of ways yeah. that it's like you need to be in these different neighborhoods yeah where the people so, are it's one of those that i've definitely in the first year thought about like well what would what could i do that's less but i'm just like it all feels important it all feels like these are those those small interactions that get people out and get people on bikes like i mean i i had coffee club this morning and we had three women come and one of them was visiting from Japan, and it was, like, fantastic. She just, like, found us on Women on Wheels, and oh, she's like, cool. oh, I want to, like, just come chat. And then she said she really enjoyed, like, hearing 
myself and the other two women that came talk about, you know, what it was like for our experience riding here in the city. Cause she's like, oh, the city here is great. Like, back in Japan, it's not as nice as this. And it was, yeah, she, she really enjoyed it. And so it was cool to, like, get to meet people and have those... I think those micro interactions are like the really like the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And because I feel like the coffee clubs and the happy hours are small enough that you get to have like a good interaction. Yeah. You get to ask the question that you wanted and you'll feel like you're taking up somebody's time. It's not a formal setting. Right. And I mean the first one of the first happy hours I held, I was so excited because um, these two, you know, two women that didn't know each other showed up, and then over there was probably nine people total there that night. And uh, these two gals were talking, and they ended up exchanging numbers, and we're gonna hang out at, like outside of this and go riding together outside. And I was like, yes, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted from this. <laughs> it's like I don't need you all to be my friends. I want you to all connect and be each other's friends, because I'm just here to create a space for this to happen. Um, it's great if I meet people that I connect with along the way too, but it's, you know, I, it, this isn't for me to build my friend group, it's... <laughs> You're facilitating. It's, I'm facilitating, yeah. and so it's so, like those, when I see that happen, that's like really exciting. Um, it feels gratifying. It feels really gratifying to see women connecting, um, because I remember being new and not have, not knowing a lot about riding in the city and not feeling super confident the first time I tried to ride downtown. I knew the Esplanade existed. I didn't know how to get there. I just said, well, I see those signs. I'll just follow them and I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll find it. And I got mixed up at the Rose Quarter. Instead of going straight through the Rose Quarter, I turned right, ended up on Upper Steel with the cars, because when you're coming from the bike lane, it looks like there might be a bike lane mm. that continues on the bridge, and it doesn't. Mm. <laughs> and so then I was just, like, in the middle of the lane and just biking my heart out to try and get across Steel Bridge as fast as I could and then get off and figure out where I was. But I was just, like, it was pretty terrifying. Now I'm, like, you know, a year later, I was then going to physical therapy in the Rose Quarter, and you know, at 10 a.m., I was like, well, there's no cars. It's just faster for me to get to work by taking Upper Steel. And I was super confident about riding mm -hmm. that route, knowing that I was allowed to be in the road. But when I first did it, it was just like, I'm, not, I'm, I'm somewhere where I'm not supposed to be. And, mm. like, and I didn't realize where bikes had a space on the road and that we were allowed to be in, you know, every place. I was like, no, this place is for cars. You know, like, I, I shouldn't be here. It's interesting. And so it's kind of funny to think about how my perspective about biking has changed through working at BTA and just bike commuting and learning the rules of the road. In just one year. Yeah, and I, I, they changed really fast in one year from when I like had first moved to Portland to when I was working at BTA and commuting full time. And then now I'm like, yeah, super confident. And I want I want other women to feel that confident yeah. about like, you have the right to be here. It's whether or not you feel comfortable. If you don't feel comfortable riding there, then don't ride there. But you have the right to be there. And I mean, it's always a, a trade-off, though, about, like, having the right versus the risk of being hit or something. Yeah, and just feeling feeling safe and is having the right enough to um, mitigate your sense of panic that you yeah. have. It's something I was talking to Ellie Blue about, the idea of taking the lane. Yeah. And how it's just a lot safer in a lot of ways to take the lane. But, mm -hmm. and I, I think it helps cars to a little bit. By being like, no, you can't, you can't squeeze me into the parked cars on the right. I'm gonna, I need to be in the middle for my own safety. But it's hard, um, and I think sometimes as as women, you're like, I'm taking up too much space. I'm taking up too much space. This is, I'm not going fast enough. I'm not doing the thing, the right yeah. way for everybody. And um, yeah, well, I think it's really awesome that uh, the program is helping women figure out their place on the road in that yeah. way, you know, like see what's available there. Yeah. So there's, there's so many things that I like have thought about doing with the program, but it's like, how do you, they're, and they're all at different stages of like feeling comfortable too, mm -hmm. right? Of like always wanting to have events that are, are geared towards that new person. Like even with coffee club this morning, 
I, for like this morning's coffee club, I had like changed the format to try something. I'm going to try it again in September of like, we're going to meet from 7.30 to 8.30 and then we're going to prepare to leave and we're going to ride that last half hour. We're going to ride to downtown. And so for anybody that's a new commuter, come to coffee and then I will ride you to work. <laughs> like if there's multiple of you, it might be difficult and challenging, but I will get you to downtown and then, you know, if you're really nervous, I can help get you to work. Um, and, like, just realizing, like, that's a part of my day that I don't mind doing that. Like, mm. of getting somebody those extra few, you know, extra mile or whatever to to get them comfortable, to show them the route. Because it can be, I feel like crossing the bridge is really, any of the bridges can just be really intimidating. I think crossing yeah. the bridges are intimidating. I think the, um, the streetcar tracks are really intimidating. Like, I will... Like, I really go out of my way to avoid them yeah. in every shape that I can. And I know, yeah. and I still try to avoid them. Because I don't want to think about it. And if there's a car in just the right way, and it's like I need, you know, it's just kind of too much yeah. sometimes. So, um, I th but I think it takes a lot of experience to do that. And a lot of times having some guidance is yeah. huge. Yeah, because I know my way around most of the bridges and most of the... But I know, like, Morrison Bridge, I, like, wouldn't ever use it. I still don't use it very often because it's not very convenient most of the time, but I'm like, I don't even understand how you access that bridge or, like, the Esplanade. I didn't understand how to access the Esplanade. Um, my boyfriend even, like, recently, he was like, he's like, I had all the signs and then I missed it and I somehow ended up on MLK and it, because he, like, went on the sidewalk and he didn't see the sign mm. to turn and he oh, didn't right, realize right, right. that's where the ramp was. Mm -hmm. And so he's, like... Like, he had a difficult time, and I was like, okay, and so when we rode back, I was like, we'll ride back on the Esplanade so you can see where you got lost and find where the point is. And so he was like, oh, that's where it is. He's like, that's where there's no sign. And then we look, and the sign has graffiti on it, and so that's why he missed it. But I was just like, yeah, it's, it can be confusing yeah. when you're, like, new to And then if you've got a, if you need to be someplace at a particular time, that's, like, panic-worthy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that's why you do these pre-rides, you know, you go and test it out first, you can get some guidance. Monday morning when you have a 9 a.m. meeting is not the best time to decide you're going to bike for the first time. For the first time to downtown. <laughs> yeah. And figure out how to get to work with all the one-ways. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that um, BTA is going to be changing its name in some fashion. What, um, what about the Women Bike Program? We're going to continue to be a bike-focused program. Um, I'm not sure if we'll add, you know, walking programs or transit programs. Like, I'm sure that will that will happen in, amongst partners. But, you know, um, with the, the mission expansion, it's really to be able to um, align our work more with this idea of active transportation, that we're not just the bike people, but that, like, when we're looking at a complete street, that it has access for people walking, biking, using public transportation, you know, that it's not just about what's best for biking, and I think that's how we've come into the room a lot, but it hasn't always, you know, because we're the Bicycle Transportation Alliance, it's not always seen that way. Um, but, you know, Oregon Walks has a lot of really great programming around walking, and so you know, working to partner with them to help increase attendance at those kind of events, um, but not reinventing the wheel. Similar with Women Bike, you know, I try to highlight a lot of the existing women programming and part, you know, use those to partner with them for an event to highlight, hey, there's a Monday night ride with Biking Muddies, or there's, um, you know, Wednesday night rides from Western Bike Works if you're interested in more training rides, um, and just kind of opening those doors and getting being a conduit, and I think um, BTA will can continue as when we become the Street Trust, when we switch over. Um, I think is that what the new name is? Yeah, the Street Trust. Um, that's what we voted on. Sweet. And so that's that will be continue to be a conduit to to highlight partners that are doing a lot of this work already, and not try and duplicate. Mm. So we can just be more powerful if we're all just finding our niches and filling in the gaps rather than duplicating each other's work. Yeah, totally. I mean, you don't need to yeah. invent all this programming yeah. for people because it's out there. Yeah. Um, 
It'd be cool to like fuse together some multimodal stuff and like make that be part of it. Like, because there's so many women that I talk to, probably people in general, but so many women I talk to who like don't understand how to put a bike on the front of the bus. Yeah. You know, I thought, I've thought about that and I'm like, how, it's so simple. how do I do a ride or like an education event where we like yeah. practice doing that or like take a bike on the max or do and like practice doing these things without bringing 10 bikes on the max. Totally. Because we can't take 10 bikes on the bus. So there's like practice stations for the bus at PSU and I've thought about doing an event there where we like everybody, you, know, you show up with your bike practice putting it on and maybe we mm -hmm. go on a, you know there's also maybe a ride component or I don't yeah it's yeah, been like I mean, a, an event that I've had a hard time wrapping my mind around but also want to help people with that I think it's I think it's super valuable um and I'm going to think about how I can maybe help with that but I mean even just something of like how do you put like physically physically how do you lift up your bike yeah and put it on the rack how do you coordinate the I need to hold my bike while I pull the rack down. Yeah. I need to make sure that the wheel fits snugly this way, right? And then there's the idea of um, how do I put it on the max? Yeah. How, where do I physically place my hands on the bike so that the front wheel doesn't swing back around yeah. and I hit myself in the head with my handlebars yeah. while I'm trying to lift this thing up and put it in a bike station? Yeah. That's one thing with commute clinics because they give a lot of commute clinics with um, through the commute challenge, the bike more challenge, uh, that I always talk about when you're taking the bike on transit, and I show people, like, here's the best way, you know, I pop, I roll, I use my brakes, and I roll on, I pop my wheel up, and then I squeeze my back brakes, and my back wheel stops spinning, and then I can just walk my bike back, and then I leverage it on my body mm -hmm. to lift it, instead of trying to, like, fight it, and use only my upper body, um, which... My bike is very light to demonstrate with, but I'm like, yeah, I own heavier bikes that are oh, not yeah. easy yeah. to get on the, the rack. And I'm, even my, my touring bike has fatter wheels, so I've been having a hard time, like, even just getting into the hooks oh, downstairs the hooks. To, yeah. to lock. I'm like, well, this isn't going to work very well. <laughs> so, yeah. But I think, yeah, the multimodal, especially as more people move here and people live further out and are commuting into downtown, multimodal is super duper important. Yeah, it's really valuable. Because I, I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't even imagine what you're seeing with the, with the number of people who are moving here and, like, trying to find their place because driving sucks, parking sucks, all those things, yeah. right? And, um, but, I don't know. Are you noticing that, uh, anything anecdotally about new folks coming um. in? Just that a lot of people noticing it's really busy, like the like the road is just so much busier. And I think I've noticed that, um, you know, it was funny. I when I moved to North Portland, um, I remember like in spring, going. You know, it was like late spring, early summer, and like going up Williams and being like at the light at Williams and Widler and like. Have, recognizing, I was like, I have to bike slower right now because there is bike traffic, like, not just car traffic, there are, like, so many bikes here, and then I was kind of, exp you know, I think my first year, it kind of dipped down where, like, people were, there weren't as, I didn't notice as many year-round riders, but I think I've seen more, like, year-round, people are toughen it out through the winter and getting more comfortable biking in the rain because the traffic is terrible. Mm -hmm. Like, because, yeah, they just see the, the, you know, river of taillights and it's like, well, I don't want to sit in that, so I'll just bike and get wet. Yeah, <laughs> figure it out. Yeah, so it's been, I think I've just noticed it with, like, the traffic of, like, how many people I just regularly see riding. Do you, are, are people coming for resources? Um, I've definitely seen, like, some requests, some people are, like, requesting earlier, like, I've noticed a few people emailing, like, hey, uh, I want to get ready for winter, and mm -hmm. they're, like, because they've biked through the summer and mm -hmm. want to see, and I'm interested to see how many people, if we get requests through the Bike More Challenge, because we moved it to May, that now, like, we got a bunch of people riding in May, and how many of those people will stick it out through the winter, because they've had four nice months of biking um, rather than one mm. before the, 
weather changes. So, so there's no bike more in September. No. You know, I, when I, I saw that in May, and I was like, oh, I wonder if they're doing it. If they're going to do it twice. No. But, <laughs> no. We moved our, we flip flopped our gala and the challenge. So now our our big gala event is in at the end of September. Um, so we just flipped our fundraising things to make sure. And the um, women bike one year anniversary, you're having an event next yes. month in September. Yeah. So we're having um, a big. It's not, well, it won't be actually. It will probably be fairly small, but we wanted to have. I had this idea of this big summit, and it was a little too um, much because I'm really good at dreaming really big mm. um, <laughs> and not scaling. Uh, so I find I tried this to trait do, relatable. Trying to do a smaller event, but um, I'm excited. We're going to have it at PCC on September 14th, and it's going to be we're going to have um, kind of a big huzzah for you know what we've done in the first year and talk about, you know, how big the Facebook group is. We have, I think we have almost, I think over 850 people That's in the crazy. Facebook group, um, which is super exciting. Um, how many events we did, how many women we engaged at those events, um, and, you know, what we're looking forward to for the next year. And as part of that looking forward, we are going to be hosting a facilitated discussion about kind of similar to what's going on, what, you know, a similar conversation what you'll be doing with your role models of you know what are your barriers to writing and what do you think will help you overcome those barriers and how can women bike as a program work to to help more women in your community um, so not just like individually but like hopefully having the discussion if it works out the way I want it to you know we'd be able to have groups kind of by geographic region and they can talk about like the things they see in their community and how do they become advocates, how do they, you know, both taking personal action as well as like advocating with the city or advocate, like what are ways that mm. that we can make biking better through throughout all of the region and not just in close in Portland, you know. Um, and then, so like hoping that that, that the discussions, like the barriers that come out of that and the, the discussions that, about what would be helpful, we can kind of guide our second year of Women Bike and, and beyond that. Um, and we'll have cake and food um, to celebrate. Bike Town will be there and they're going to give free bike pass, like a free day pass or at least, it, I think it's a free day pass, but they're giving some sort of free pass to everyone um, that attends, so that would be exciting, Kids Bike Town is, you know, if they can, if they do really well and then we're able to, like the city's able to expand the service area of Bike Town, it can be an affordable option for people that don't have access to a bike, you know, or don't have good parking at their apartment for bikes or because yeah, that's like a huge thing, especially for lower income mm. people. It's just like that the access to a bike, access to safe parking, that you know your bike's not going to get stolen. Yeah, like how do you keep it without it? You know, yeah. there's no, there are no racks, there's nothing to lock it to. Yeah, so that's like a, that's definitely something that I think bike share could help with that. But it mm. also depends on where bike, currently bike share is not in a lot of those lower income neighborhoods. So. Right. Hopefully they can expand, um, but we're excited. I mean, having it at PCC, well, you know, that's kind of the edge of their um, route, and they have some racks on PC at PCC, so some people could try out bike town to get home if they had taken public transit, or they can try it another day with their pass. So, it should be exciting. That'll be cool. Yeah, and we'll have a raffle with some prizes, and yeah should be and, and we're also gonna have a storyboard of like telling asking people to tell us their experience with biking of you know I like biking because or I want to bike too or my favorite thing about biking and just to kind of capture those voices to see like just how people are relating to biking and it feels really exciting yeah that's cool so. that must that must feel gratifying right again I know we talked about that before but uh, after a year of programming yeah I like I really love stories and so I wanted to find a way to capture people's 
stories and voices and you know like I'm not a filmmaker so it's hard to like <laughs> I was like ideally I'd have like one of those like how like um film by bike has their like confessional and I was like oh that would be so cool to have like a confessional about biking um that you but I was like I don't know where we would even post those things so it's like it's easier to do the low-tech version of the less dreamy version is to have a storyboard. Maybe year two. Maybe year two. Yeah. But having a storyboard, because that can also capture, like, just where people, and we're, you know, having it in English and in Spanish, we're going to have translators at the event, so if you know, women come that speak Spanish, they, it's a fully participatory event, so, yeah, it's exciting to see, um, to be able to just, I've been, like, kind of culling through what I've done in the last year to get ready for this event and I'm just like I did a lot I did a lot of things <laughs> those are cool things that I did that I I don't always give myself credit for <laughs> all the cool things because I think about all the things where nobody showed up or didn't go as well as I had hoped or you know it's always striving kind of type A to always have a really good event or dreaming really big. I don't understand why everybody isn't as excited as me about everything, because I just assume that everybody will be as excited as I am about all the events that I put on. I'm like, come on, this sounds great. Why wouldn't people come? <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, because people have lives. That's why. <laughs> I mean, but you've got to put it out there all the time and show up consistently for yeah. more people to show up. And there's yeah. such an investment there that needs to be made yeah. in terms of like your time on the front end. Um, but that's the only way you build trust of like yeah. they're you know I'll be here I'll be here look at all the things we're doing it yeah. takes time which I think it and yeah it, I've also felt a little bit of tension between like with the coffee clubs and the happy hours that I move them around a lot and it's the intention is to get in front of different people but you know you don't always know if the people that are in that neighborhood are seeing the like are you know members of women bike or mm, mm -hmm. and it's like is it it kind of goes with is it more valuable to maybe pick a place in each of those quadrants and rotate between specific coffee shops and maybe try and get partnerships where they can provide free coffee or give you know even just like boost it out to their social networks and get more people there or do you continue with this like we're just going to have this kind of more grassrootsy and just like less formal model that I've been doing um, because it's a lot I mean to ask coffee shops to be like could you provide coffee in this like that's just like a lot of coordination so I haven't done that mm -hmm. um, but it could be something that could be good if we like found that people were consistently showing up if we could get like a group of six to ten women at a coffee club each month then that would feel more worthwhile. But it also, if it gets bigger, it feels less intimate. People don't get to talk. It's like, there's a lot of tension around those events. Yeah. That's like, what is worth the time? Like, what is what is the purpose? Who, who should be running them? Mm -hmm. How do we make it? Because, I mean, I find, I'm such a person, people person, that, like, I love like the conversations and the storytelling and like connecting but it's also a lot <laughs> to do so that all that said I am very excited about what I've done in the last year but I am also I wanted to talk to you because I'm also going to be leaving BTA at the end of September um, mostly not because of anything with BTA but because of the, it, the stuff that's going on in my own life with my personal life while I love all the the outreach that I have been doing, it does take a lot for me to do that, and I've found that I'm in a place where I have less to give right yeah. now, and so I'm taking a step back. Um, but Elizabeth Kiros will be taking over the program, and um, I'm writing a whole bunch of all, all the documentation, like, this is what I felt worked, this is what I felt didn't, here's some suggestions of how I think this could continue to be great. Um, and so I'm not sure what her plan is going to be for moving forward, but one thing I've suggested is um, as far as these like coffee clubs and happy hours and things is like hiring an intern that can be an events person that, you know, if we can have somebody here 
like through the year that they commit to or they commit to a whole season of putting on events and being the person that's engaging because um, I know Elizabeth does a lot she she does a lot of community outreach work as well and she likes it as well but I don't know if she'll want to commit to five events a month the way that I did amongst all of her other work um, the other thing I suggest is uh, engaging with the role models to say hey like once a quarter can you put on an event mm -hmm. um, to kind of help keep that going and also help you you know some of our role models that don't have like an immediate group of people they know they want to mentor can be an opportunity to meet more women that may be interested in mentorship um, and then just also thinking about yeah what's what is the the value of these events do you want to continue to have small interactions which I do think are valuable on one side or do we want to think about a more programmed once monthly or every other month mm -hmm. thing but continuing with consistency but just like do we rethink them or do we you know I'm even as I'm like out going out the door and rethinking them like maybe we include these rides to downtown maybe we include like even the happy hours I'm like let's meet downtown and then we'll ride to happy hour and then it's like it's not a very long ride but it's a ride it's more connected to the biking than it is to just show up and talk someplace yeah, yeah. so and that also kind of helps on the back end of getting back out of the city yeah you know getting out of downtown when yeah. you know you got some assistance on the way in but how, now how do I go yeah. <laughs> I mean you you can't do everything for everybody all the yeah. time too so but that could be an interesting way to yeah. bridge that gap a little bit yeah, and then just, like, also if you're meeting somewhere and other people see that you're meeting, they might be like, hey, what's this? What are mm -hmm. you doing? And then you, I don't know, could be, I always, I'm always just trying to think of, like, little ways. It's been hard to, like, even as I'm leaving, I'm like, oh, hey, like, what about this? Like, I just feel like this program's definitely been my baby, and I'm like, it's been hard to let go. I'm just like, well, I mean, you've, <laughs> you've built it. Yeah. So, of course, it's going to be important to you. Um, yeah. You've done an awesome job with it, for sure. Um, so, I wanted to ask you how you got involved and how, like, how Women Bike started, like, how you got involved with it. Anyway, yeah. um, do you want to talk about that? Can yeah. Can talk about it? Yeah, cool. Do you want to record that? It, it oh, is still It recording. is still recording. Okay. I'm, just sure gonna cut, I'm just going to cut out yeah. the part. <laughs> life yeah, yeah um so women bike uh there had been kind of a movement um from let's see the league of american bicyclists had started a women bike program i think a few years ago and then they had given a mini grant to washington area bicycle association to um build out more women focused programming and so they did kind of this three-year project uh, where they did a year of kind of like information gathering and holding forums and whatever, and then uh, started this program. And then they created this model that other cities could use to build their own women bike programs or women focused programming. Um, and so it was kind of great that they did all this footwork so that every city doesn't have to reinvent the wheel. They can know this is the cost of things, this is why it's valuable, this is... And, and not everything works everywhere, right? Like, our, our program looks different than other cities. Um, but it was, you know, so there was a movement happening nationally, kind of what was popping up. There was WABA had one, um, Philadelphia Bicycle Coalition had a women bike program pop up. There's a We Bike NYC which is not associated with a, an advocacy organization, it's its own organization, um, popped up, We Bike Chicago. Um, so there was, um, yeah, we were seeing this pop up a lot. And I had attended, um, I was previously the membership manager, and I had attended a leadership um, training with the Alliance for Biking and Walking, along with our deputy director and our executive director. And at that, um, that leadership training, there were, the, so this was in 2014, 2012 there had been a big focus on gender equity amongst the bicycle movement, and I think that's kind of where some of Washington, WABA's work came out, 
of, and then in 2014, this focused a lot on um, racial equity, and that the bike movement is very white, and so how do we get more people of color involved? Um, and, but like after talking with people about their women bike programming in in a lot of places, I was really excited about it, and our deputy director was also very excited. And so she ended up writing our so our bike more challenge program is funded through a metro grant. Um, it's a regional travel options grant, and they uh, so that's how. It's been funded for multiple years, so when we were coming up for, it's a two-year grant, so when we were rewriting it for the, for the 2015 to 2017 funding, we added in Women Bike as this extra piece of um, increasing access to bicycling, and the more people you get biking, the, the, uh, the closer we can get to our regional transit goals, because like, the big push of these programs is to get people to choose a bike over a car essentially. Um, and so, yes, Stephanie Knoll wrote the, that, um, wrote the, the grant proposal and then it got funded. And so we had previously also with the bike, um, bike community challenge had been just a coordinator position. So we had this temporary position that came in and helped during the crazy four months of like three to four months of the challenge. Um, but then it was pretty much all on Steph's plate to do everything else throughout the year. And so she had been running the challenge for about six years and was ready to pass it off. So with that um, grant, we were able to create my position, which um, is a program manager for Bike More Challenge and Women Bike. Um, and so those are, uh, that's kind of how it came about. And I was really excited coming. I had been doing fundraising and coming out of that leadership retreat, I was like, I want to work in programs. I want to be more connected to the people. I want to like know what I'm working on is directly affecting behavior change and is making an impact. Um, I really like nonprofit work because you get to see, you get to, in a lot of ways, operate outside of the bounds of um, the. the I find the government works super slow. Private industry is worried about their bottom line. And so it's like nonprofit is just really fun because you can, it's challenging because of funding, right? But then, but when you have the funding, you have just like the world is your oyster sometimes to be like, well, we think that this, we notice this gap in services. And so we want to fill it and we want to provide this service. And I feel like it can be really great because it can be really responsive um, in a lot of ways. I see that, like, in program, and so programming is where that, like, responsiveness can really lie. Um, but I'm also overzealous, so I'm like, there's this problem. We need five events a month, obviously. Um, even, I mean, I even started more ambitious and then pulled back because I was holding weekly coffee clubs, and then I was like, I can't do weekly. This is too much. Like, every Wednesday I was somewhere. And so I was just like, all right, let's do twice monthly. And we'll just do that. And then I added in a happy hour. So in November last year, I added in a happy hour. So it's like, well, maybe, like, I asked him, like, it seemed, like, I kind of looked in the group and it seemed like some people would be interested in a happy hour. And I think I did a poll of, like, would you be interested in this? And there was enough people that said yes. And I was like, okay, we'll do a happy hour. But I like the coffee clubs because they're separated, like, a lot of our culture in Portland, of, like, our socializing culture is, is very bar-centric. And so it can be hard if you don't drink or you don't want to drink. It's also kind of a weird mix of, like, come to a bar and then ride home where we're like, that that seems a little odd to encourage intox exactly. intoxicated riding. You know, you hope everybody is staying within their limit, but even, like, any intoxication, right, is not ideal yeah. for riding. And so it's been just, like, an interesting... Uh, I've, it's very common in the bike culture. It's very common in... Portland social culture to like be out at breweries and go to food and go to these things but it's like I also don't want anybody to leave and have an accident yeah I mean, we're not like raging at happy hour it's mostly like chatting right but well safety yeah. first yeah but creating but creating a space that's separate from from drinking mm -hmm. and that's why I think coffee clubs having the the rides on 
like you know, in the morning where it's not necessarily going to be a culture that you would, you know, we, we ended up beer porches, but you didn't have to get a beer there. I got kombucha, you know. Yeah, it's like, totally. Yeah. Um, but, like, ending at a lunch spot and making it about food, and then if people choose to engage, then, like, it's that choice, but it's not necessarily inviting that culture all the time. So I think that can be nice. I think it's, I think it's a good, I think it's a good break also. And it's just, you know, mixes it up. People may not want to do something like that after work, and then they have the option of going in the morning. It's just different, different strokes in that way, you know. Um, so I have, oh my goodness, (laughs) I have two more questions for you, should you choose to answer them. I know we have already talked about this, but tell me what the role model program is. Yeah, so the role model program is a peer-to-peer mentor program, and so uh, we, in our pilot year, we have kind of hand-picked some, you know, different women that, um, you know, from across the region, different age groups, different ethnicities, um, we have a, you know, couple of gals that speak Spanish, so um, that can uh, help reach more women to help get them biking. So what we've found, you know, what a lot of research shows is that, you know, women have these core things like, oh, safety concerns or clothing concerns or, you know, child care concerns. And there's these really key things that um, are big concerns within when it comes to transportation options. But we can hold a class, but that class may not always be accessible. Um, a one-time class is maybe not enough to get you over that barrier. And so, um, kind of anecdotally, what we've you know, heard of, you know, what's something I've experienced and also heard from a lot of other women, is that women are more likely to do things when they have a friend that is going to do it with them. And so, a peer-to-peer model um, can be really successful in helping get women over their specific barriers. And since we are, you know, I'm a program of one, and there's some female staff that help me, um, but I can't go hold everybody's hand through their beautiful process of becoming a bike commuter um, or a recreation rider, whatever it is they want to do. So the, the role models are able to do that one-on-one kind of hand, I don't mean hand-holding in a bad way, but just that one-on-one inter- interaction to say, I want to bike to work, but I don't know how to get there. Will you ride on Saturday with me? I want to go grocery shopping by bike. I don't understand how to carry things on my bike, or it may be a question of investment of gear, but I don't know if I want to invest in that. I don't have a bike. I want to buy one, but I'm very intimidated by going to the bike shop. Will somebody come with me? Um, those are all, or you know, so routes, safety, you know, go, and also even just inviting somebody to come to a women bike event. I see this cool event, but I don't know anybody that's going, and I'm not sure it's for me. If I have a friend that's going to go with me, well, we can decide if it's for us, and we, but I don't have to feel weird, mm-hmm. you know, about being out of my, my comfort zone. So women just like to do things socially, and so I think a role model program, that's a big generalization, but it tends to be that women like to do things more socially than others. Um, and it's funny, I even had a, a woman, that one of our role models, they've, uh, she started a, a adult women's group. It's the East Portland Women's Health and Fitness or something, and it, it's open to all ages, but it tends to be mostly um, you know, gals in their 50s, 60s, 70s. And she said that there's a lot of guys that, you know, are, you know, friends with the group or husbands of these women and they're like really jealous that this group exists and they're like well why can't we come and they're like well because it's a women's group and you can create a men's group but men just don't socialize in that same way or like look for it in that same way so the role model program is to just kind of help get more um, women on bikes through one-on-one interaction personal guidance yeah peer-to-peer and the, and the idea is not that you know you're a role model and we're going to refer a bunch of people to you which we can do that's certainly something we can do but the idea would be that you have people in your life that you want to mentor and it's easier coming from a friend than asking a stranger to help you 
So sometimes it can be a little bit more fun because you're just hanging out with your friend. And then you happen to go biking and overcome this great barrier. And now look at you, you're a bike commuter. <laughs> Such good stuff. Um, my last question for you could be like that. It's that. Could be the big one. Which is like, what's what's your bike love story? Like, why are you here in the first place? My bike love story. I started biking when I... I mean, I was biking when I was a kid. But I really started biking more um, when I was in college. I went to UC Davis. And Davis is a big bike school. There's The campus is closed to cars. Freshmen aren't allowed to have cars. So you had to have a bike. Um, and so I would bike... To campus and that felt really great but it was also really sh short rides it was like a mile or something like that and uh, so it was kind of funny to like I, I would, if I was on my bike for longer than 20 minutes I was like oh my god this is forever this is terrible and then when I moved to Portland uh, I found out that the part of why biking was so hard was because my steel frame was crooked and uh, it didn't, it, my back wheel was constantly out of true. So I was in fact working much harder than everybody else riding my bike. And so when I got my current bike, um, Stella, it's a little Cannondale, uh, that thing was so zippy and it was so fun to ride around. Um, and I started you know, commuting a couple times a week, but I loved um, the time I was living in Northeast Portland, and then I was uh, riding to, I was working in Sandy, or, or, like, or off of Sandy in um, Hollywood um, neighborhood, and I loved my ride through, I think it's like Irvington, or whatever, I don't know, it was just like summertime, and these big, beautiful, historic trees, and these big, mm. beautiful houses. Like Grant, and like that whole, yeah, going like there. going down Klickitat, and the 20s bikeways, and then like the, you know, getting to Tillamook, and I just loved that, that ride, um, and it was so nice, and it was just like also a nice way at the end of the day. I mean, I was working on my feet all day. I was working in food service, but it was just this nice thing to, like, ride home um, and, like, just feel like I'd gotten really active and was, like, separate. So, I don't know. I think I just slowly fell in love with biking. It wasn't like this... I don't know if there was, like, an aha moment. When I started volunteering for BTA, I would, like, I was coming into the office a couple days a week, and I didn't want to pay for parking or pay for the max, so... It was cheap, so I was like, well, I, I need to ride my bike. And so I just kind of learned about bike commuting by being, you know, it was really economically focused. Um, and then working here and being able to, like, work in an environment where everybody's on their bikes and it's just, like, totally normalized um, made it really easy to make those decisions. And then, like, slowly I've gotten into, like, bike touring and cyclocross racing and now I own three bikes and I'm like how did that happen <laughs> um but yeah I just really love I love riding it's it's very free and I mean my first couple of years here I like would be riding to work and would like look down at my bike in awe and be like this is how I get to work this is my life I ride a bike to work I'm like active, like this is crazy, like I'm just, and I, and I get to do this every day, um, felt really great, um, and I just really, I don't think I ever really take it for granted, I'm just like, and, and when I can't ride my bike, I get so itchy for it, I'm just like, if I'm like gone for a week, or if I, if I keep hurting myself, where it hurts to ride, and I'm like, no, I hate this, why does it hurt to ride, I want it to be good. Um, and some days after a long day of sitting at the desk, I'll jump on my bike and I'd, like sprint home, and it feels really great. So, yeah. Thanks for um, thanks for all the work you've done here over this past year. Uh, it's been super cool to watch and to um, you know sort of like witness the community expand. And uh, I wish you luck on behalf of all women biking in Portland. <laughs> I wish you luck with whatever the next endeavor is. Thanks. Thanks for chatting with me, Nicole. Yeah, thanks, Kat. <laughs>
I'd love to have her um, successor, Elizabeth Kiros, on sometime. We'll reach out to her and see what happens. If you are interested in taking advantage of the Role Model Program, if you're a woman here in Portland who um, wants to ride your bike more, you see what's up, you wanna, you've been riding all summer and you would like some wet weather commuting help, um, you just want to make a bikey friend, come on down to the Women Bike Facebook page and go ahead and join up there. Uh, also, you can go to btaoregon.org forward slash women bike, and you will see a listing for the Role Models program on that Women Bike page. You're, you'll see um, several of us to choose from if you're here in North Portland please reach out to me north and northeast portland um it's my it's my jam up here if you are um trying to figure out how to commute downtown i do that on a daily basis and also um if you are interested in any of this fun bike camping stuff um any of that just hit me up so reach out the joyride podcast at gmail.com and um, if you're interested in hanging out as part of the role models program uh, just let me know and we'll we'll talk about it please do follow the joyride podcast on instagram uh, go ahead and like the page on facebook and even on twitters i am very very mildly active active is maybe not the right word for twitter i use it sometimes it's it's funny um anywho friends as always i appreciate your time and your attention remember life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage keep moving forward and until next time i hope you enjoy the ride